Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. There are only four teams left, and there's a common thread they all share. For once, it's not about the quarterback. But it's a lesson that every single fan of every single team should study in how to get to the top of the mountain. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, you can tweet us at HDouglas83, at Jason Fitz. You can call in, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And hear me out. We always make everything about quarterbacks. I know that. It's a sexy thing to talk about. You know if you've listened to this show since the beginning of the year when we launched that Harry and I like to be a little deeper with some of this stuff. All right? So as we were looking today, trying to find common threads with all four of these teams, Harry, one of the main common threads for all of them is they've gotten where they are by stocking their rosters, not just in one offseason, not just from one free agency, not just from one pretty good draft. These are teams that have consistently drafted well to build rosters that are capable of being the elite of the elite. They have quality players across the board. 100% fits, and I have to give a lot of credit to you know the owners of all these teams, the general manager for all these teams, the team president for all of these teams, and also the head coaches. Because everyone is not able to do it the way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it and bringing in a lot of guys and free agency and signing those guys. Uh, Or can they do it the way the Los Angeles Rams did it, right? Bringing in guys, Von Von Miller, trading for Matthew Stafford, going and getting Jalen Ramsey. You know, everyone can't do it that way. But these four teams that are in the playoffs right now in the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game, it goes to show you it may take two or three years, but if you draft the right pieces and not just hit on, you know, your first and second round draft picks, but also hit on your third through seven round draft picks with a sprinkle of, you know, college free agents in there as well, you can be in the position that they are in right now. Now, part of drafting is drafting at the quarterback position. And when you get the quarterback position right, it just puts your team in a better light. Now, when you do draft well and you're going through the weeds and you're trying to figure out and build your team, you also add a sprinkle of veterans to those rosters to get you over the hump. That's what all four of these teams have been able to do. And I can't help but reiterate the way the San Francisco 49ers have been able to do it. You look at nine of their last 22 starters or last nine of their 22 starters are guys that have been drafted in round three through seven. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal in my eyes, but it goes to show everyone, you don't just have to pile on superstar after superstar on your team and try to get a Super Bowl. It can be done the correct way if you're structured and you built right, and that's your mindset. It it speaks to a level of patience. It speaks to a level of understanding that when you have stability within an organization, typically, you have a coaching staff that can draft guys that they know they're going to develop to be part of their culture, right? It speaks to the ability to not only scout, but also figure out how to bring in and coach and really elevate. And, you know, we mentioned it before, but when you start looking at the Chiefs, every member of the Chiefs 2022 NFL draft class, for example, made the 53-man roster. Think of those. Every single person they drafted in 2022 made the roster this year. And you think about that on top of the fact 
fact that they didn't have a single wasted draft pick over a four-year period. Pro Football Focus in 2021 looked at a four-year period. By far, the, the, the best drafting team was the Kansas City Chiefs. And we sit here and talk about the Patrick Mahomes element of it, which is huge and part of that success. But Harry, you also then look at just the total body of work and you're like, okay, well, maybe it's not just about that one guy. Maybe it's about consistently drafting well, which also then when you get to contract time gives you a little bit of freedom. If you know you are constantly restocking the cupboard, you know you don't have to overpay for anybody. You feel more comfortable letting a Tyreek Hill walk away if you need to because you know that you're going to be able over time to patiently draft, not necessarily for any one position, but best player available in a way that makes your team drastically better year in and year out. And I love that you brought up the Kansas City Chiefs, and I just want to bring up you know two guys that they drafted, right? You look at Travis Kelsey, even though it was a while ago, Travis Kelsey is a third-round draft pick. You look at Tyreek Hill, who was no longer with the Kansas City Chiefs, but it was a big part of the last four years and what they were able to do and winning the Super Bowl and going to those AFC Championship games. Tyreek Hill, I believe, was a fifth-round draft pick. Yeah, I think that's I right. Be- I, I believe he was a yeah. fifth-round draft pick. Think about that, though. Two of your most dominant players, who potentially are going to be Hall of Famers in the future, was a third-rounder and a fifth-rounder. It's all about drafting well. So that's why I kind of get upset when we have, you know, Brandon Bean, the general manager for the, for the Buffalo Bills, come out and say, well, we're not trying to be in the position where we could take Jamar Chase. Well, you had a lot of guys in the third rounds, third through seven, that you could have picked from the wide receiver position that you would be happy as hell with right now. But you chose somebody else. So, of course, you don't have to be picking in the top of the draft to get a Jamar Chase. They're all over the place. And, and this has been something that I've been, uh, you know, going well, let me back say, to Jamar Chases aren't all over the place. I'm saying good receivers. Uh, <laughs> Make sure I point that out. Of course, right. But, but something I've gone back and forth with Twitter on this week during and after our shows is this concept that, well, the 49ers sent three draft picks for Trey Lance. So, obviously, they traded a second-round pick for Jimmy G. Obviously, they care about the quarterback position. Yeah, of course they do. But when you're constantly drafting well everywhere – If you miss, it's not as big. Like, that's the other part of this is when you send a bunch of draft picks for a quarterback and that quarterback doesn't even – I'm not going to call Trey Lance a bust. We haven't seen him on the field to know. But that's okay. We haven't seen him on the field to know because look at how many other players have come in and been able to be impactful for the 49ers. When you are, for the most part, drafting starters all over the place, if you take a swing and you miss, it's not as big a deal. The problem is a lot of these organizations want a a right-now fix and – and I don't care whether we're talking about, you know, we'll go back to the Jets conversation. Part of the reason the Jets are even in this Aaron Rodgers conversation is because, frankly, they drafted guys like Sauce Gardner, who shamelessly is going to join us in about 30 minutes. You don't want to miss it. Uh, the Jets have, have hit on guys like Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Like, they're starting to hit on their young guys. And when you hit in the draft, then all of a sudden you can look at it and say, are we building the right way? I just think we need to look at building your team, not as a one-off season thing, not even as a two-off season thing. Yep. Sometimes it's going to take three years of draft classes to get to the point where you have a comparable roster to your rivals and you got to be patient through that well it also gives you flexibility when you're able to hit on let's say two to four of your rookies it gives you that flexibility I remember when I came into the draft in 2008 to the Atlanta Falcons we had Matt Ryan who played meaningful steps as a rookie Sam Baker who was our other first round draft pick started at offensive line Curtis Lofton who was our Second round draft pick 
started at linebacker. You had myself at the wide receiver position that was starting in the slot. That's four people right there from a 2008 draft class that made a difference and helped turn around the Atlanta Falcons organization in 2008. Now you have more money to play with on the back end because a lot of these guys that are, that are contributing, they're on their rookie contracts. Now you can bring in and sprinkle in some free agents here and there. Listen, the Philadelphia Eagles missed on who at the wide receiver position? Jalen Rieger, right? Yeah. They understand they missed on him. They traded him, went and traded and got A.J. Brown. Now we see what the Philadelphia Eagles are from a wide receiver perspective in that group. Part of the reason the Eagles are in that conversation, too, is that they drafted a quarterback at the top of the second round that turned out to be right for them, too, right? Mm -hmm. And that also comes down to, you know, I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth here, they didn't reach at the quarterback position. They waited until they got to a spot where they're like, all right, I I know this is oversimplification, and I'll tell you the guys this a lot. Harry and I, uh, we've covered the the draft digitally for years for ESPN. Uh, I think this will be my sixth year in a row hosting that show. Really proud of what we do on the digital side of it. Every year when we go into the draft, I say the same damn thing, Harry. Every year, it's like, hey, best player available. On your board, just take the best play. Like, don't overcomplicate this. I don't care if you have 18 defensive tackles and the best player available is a tackle. Just figure it, like, best player available. It's such an easy logic, but it's hard to do because what happens is we become infatuated with, well, how much money did you spend in free agency? Did it make you better right now? Can we mm-hmm. be a more competitive team next year? And that works every once in a while, but what we see this year, right now, cream of the crop, cream rises, right? What we've seen rise this year is an Eagles team that, that went out and patiently addressed their roster and then once they started to get some of the young pieces, they were then aggressive to build around them. You see a 49ers team that built through the draft. You see a Chiefs team that built mostly through the draft. And then when they take chances on other players, they can fit in in a way that makes sense. Uh, you see a Bengals team that absolutely home run after home run after home run in the draft in the way they built their roster. Like I just, I think that we could all afford to remember this as we go into to free agency in the draft. Like There is not going to be a get-rich-quick scheme here. If you're on a diet and you lose 150 pounds in a week, you're not going to keep it off. I don't think you can fix the ills of most rosters in one week, and we got to change the way we think about it. And I also think, i got to give the Baltimore Ravens a lot of credit in the way they've been able to draft, and we looked at that draft last year alone, drafting Tyler Lindemann from Iowa. Um, Who else did they get? They got Kyle Hamilton. They also got, who's the guy that tours Achilles? Um, they played at Penn State. I'm pulling the ever. I'm pulling their draft picks back up because they got uh, Kyle Hamilton. They got uh, Linderbaum. You mentioned that they Ajabo. got. Uh, they got Travis Jones from yep. Kentucky as well. Uh, from Connecticut. Ajabo, David uh, yeah. Ajabo. Ajabo. Oh, excuse from me, Michigan. from uh, Michigan. Yeah, and uh, Fa'alele from Minnesota. Yeah, they had a huge draft. They, they absolutely killed they, it. They drafted well. They and they draft people that fits their system and their mold and what they want to be as a team. That's why I like to give the Ravens a lot of credit. Yeah, It's funny to me because, frankly, you know, every time we talk about this stuff, when you look at it, instead of looking at the success and saying we're one quarterback away, genuinely ask yourself, every, no matter who your favorite team is right now, ask yourself, how many of the starters on your favorite team right now would be starting on the Eagles? The 49ers, the Bills, or the Bengals, I should say, or the Chiefs. And I think when you take that painful exercise, then you'll get the realization of how far away your entire roster is from being Super Bowl level. That being said, there are three things the Eagles need to do that can help them beat the 49ers. You'll hear from Harry next. Harry and Fitz, Fitz and Harry, whatever the name of this show is on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
This will be another defensive game. Hurts keeps fighting for the end zone. What a run. Touchdown, Philadelphia. Philly, they are damn near impossible to defend. They have people everywhere. Like, who you going to guard? The Niners are clearly the best defense left in this thing. And when you have units that are this good, it comes down to matchups. When you talk about who is just doing the best job of coaching his football team right this minute, who's doing it better than Kyle Shanahan? Call me Little Dicky. Um, no, not you. I'm just saying Little Dicky should what? call me. I don't want you to call me Little. Di- okay, let's just start the whole segment over. <sighs> but seriously, Little Dicky, you what? should call me. I'm, what? I, I'm a big Little Dicky fan, and I just excuse me. More Little Dicky in my life is better. Uh, excuse me. Okay. It's I don't know the name of this damn show anymore. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel A eighty. Uh, there's one thing I've learned, one valuable lesson I've learned this month, and I'm not ever going to shy away from this lesson. It's that I got to listen to coach, and around here, that coach is Harry Douglas. And right now, I need Harry Douglas's help because you all know that I'm I'm somewhere between a dabbler and a g- degenerate at this point, and I have no idea how to play the Eagles 49ers matchup. So it's time for a little eye test. There's always stats, metrics, and history to back up an opinion. This is your opinion? It's a fact. But what are Harry's eyes telling him since he played in the NFL? That's the fact! Find out now on The Eye Test. Eye Test. Read time. With Fitz and Harry. All right, HD. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. I won a lot of money last week on the Bengals, and I would like to frivolously bet it this weekend, but I can't figure out how to match up this Eagles 49ers game. So... I need you to break down three things the Eagles can do to take advantage of the 49ers. What do you got for us? For me, number number one, one, I think it's all about matchups in this ball game. And when you have a number one defense like the San Francisco 49ers have, now it's okay to play 11-on-11 football in which the Philadelphia Eagles will pose because of quarterback Jalen Hurts and his ability to run the football very effectively. Now the 49ers are going to have to make a decision. Are they going to bring somebody else down in that box or – can you use Hufunga's aggressiveness against himself? So I think the fact that Jalen Hurts can be a runner in this game can really hurt the San Francisco 49ers and make them declare a lot of things that they want to do on the back end. Okay, so walk me through, like, does, in your mind, are you just confident that Jalen Hurts is 100% of himself and he can just he's going to be able to take the hits, he's going to be able to run the football, we should have no concerns? Yeah, I think he's going to be okay in this game. And, and it Honestly, it's to the, the Eagles' advantage if, he's, if, if he is able to do that. I think it's a disadvantage if he's not doing that. Okay, all right. That, that's one key. I like that so far. Uh, even I can follow Jalen Hurts needs to be part of the run game, and everybody needs to feel good about that. What do you got? Let's, let's go to the next one on the list. Number two. Number two for me is running back Kenneth Gainwell. We know when he was at Memphis in college how great he was receiving the football out of the backfield, but also rushing the football. He has carried that over to the National Football League for the Eagles. Watching that game from last year, 2021, he only had a few catches, but I noticed that the catches he did have, he was matched up on linebacker Al Shire, and he won those matchups. So if they they can find him in space, one-on-one versus a linebacker, I think it will benefit the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, so how much can you take away from – because I know you went back and watched a ton of film on last year's matchup. When you're coming into this matchup, how much of it in your mind transfers year to year? I think some things. You look at the base principles of offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. Like I noticed Kyle Shanahan in the first half of that game last year probably ran nine to ten screens. 
when you have a defensive line like the Philadelphia Eagles, that's one of the things you want to do to kind of slow them down and keep them off balance and guessing is run a ton of screens. So there, there's going to be some carryover. Everything's not going to be carryover. You have different people playing in different spots, too. So I, I think just a little bit of carryover. All right, let's get to the next one on the list. Number three. Number three for me. Now, when you bring that extra defender, the San Francisco 49ers, that is, down in that box to try to stop this run game and eliminate it because Jalen Hurts is so dynamic, now it forces the San Francisco 49ers to have to leave their corners on islands and play a lot more man coverage than they are accustomed to playing. One thing I noticed in that matchup from last year, they tried to pick on Lenore, the cornerback, for the San Francisco 49ers. They do two go routes. One they hit for over 70 yards. The other one they hit for an explosive touchdown, but it got called back. I think that's some of the things that they're going to do in this ball game as well. We see C.D. Lamb last week in the second half versus the 49ers run that same goal route on Lenore. And if Dak Prescott was great, notice I said great, not good, Fitz, because good allowed him to complete the ball. It just happened to be underthrown. A great throw would allow C.D. Lamb to walk in that end zone and they would have been up seven points and a lot of pressure would have been on San Francisco. So I, I just say you got to gotta take your shots one-on-one versus Lenore, especially when you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Quez Watkins. Okay, do you think that they, that means that they're going to try and push the ball into A.J. Brown early in this matchup? I think they, they're going to run their offense. I don't think they're going to force anything. That's one of the things I love about the Eagles. Uh, there's been games where I see A.J. Brown get off. There's been games where I haven't seen them have a ton of targets. But they're going to play within the system and play within the offense, and that has benefited them in 2022. I, I think it's interesting. Everything you're saying there uh, plays into part of what Harry has seen with the eye test and some of what he has seen throughout the course of, uh, of his break, breakdown of tapes. We do have uh, Lenore, actually, who was on KJM talking about Keyshawn J. Will and Max, I should say, talking about the fact that they're ready for Jalen Hurts. Check it out. Just how, how we've been preparing all season. We played the Chiefs, you know, with Pat Mahomes. So, I mean, we've seen the most elite quarterback in the NFL already. We played a, a good offense last week, you know, with Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. So, I think we'll be re- – I'm pretty sure we'll be ready for Jalen Hurts. All of this leads me to one question. Look at my face. What what oh he's they ain't uh, yeah. no skill position group they haven't played a skill position group like the Philadelphia Eagles this season. I understand you played against Mahomes, but Mahomes doesn't have the weapons that the Eagles have. No, you haven't played against an AJ Brown, a Devontae Smith, a Quez Watkins, a Miles Sanders, a Dallas Goddard. They have not played against that this season. They haven't. I'm just being honest. So th- that's what makes this matchup interesting. Is that. The 49ers defense hasn't faced anything like the Eagles offense, right? And the 49ers offense, frankly, hasn't faced anything like the Eagles defense. That leads me to one X factor in this matchup. One thing to look for, and we'll tell you what it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Two teams are so evenly matched, there can be one X factor. And that X factor is something we pay a lot of attention to here on this show. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers were presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, 
you were just talking, Harry, about some of the things that you, it, the 49ers can do and can mm-hmm. look for to beat the Eagles. And I think it's an important moment to, to recognize that the 49ers' defense has not uh, played a, a, a team with the weapons that the Eagles' offense has. Also, Brock Purdy in the 49ers' offense has not faced a defense uh, nearly to the level of what the Eagles are capable of. And it just makes me think about something we could get tattooed on our foreheads if we didn't like our pretty faces so much. Coaching matters. To me, Sirianni and Shanahan are huge X-factors in this game. 100%. And you look at a guy like Kyle Shanahan last week versus the Dallas Cowboys. It took a while for that run game, you know, to be efficient. But he figured out what runs towards the end of that game, what was going to be beneficial for the 49ers, and you've seen it started to thrive. I also love the simple fact that he knew what passes to call for Brock Purdy so he could be decent and have a game in which he can make plays and make the throws that he's expected to make. I also think that when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles from a defensive perspective, and they've been phenomenal all season, there's a reason why they went out and got Nadamik and Sue, Linval Joseph, when Jordan Davis went out. They struggle with the run in the teeth of the defense. So now I'm looking at this defensive line, and they pull, they have some challenges versus San Francisco because San Francisco is a, a one of the top rushing teams in football. Can they stop the run? Can Fletcher Cox, can Javon Hargrave, can those guys be stout up front to help this defense linebacker-wise? Yeah, because you got one of the best running backs. We all know that in Christian McCaffrey. But let's also just – Kyle Juszczyk is a, a a man amongst boys when it comes to playing the fullback position the for the 40s. Piece, I man. mean, it, it is amazing how few teams utilize a true fullback and how effective he is, particularly in that offense, because he can do so many things, because he is so athletic to get down the field when he needs to to help block, and because he's capable in so many – like, you hear the play-action conversation. Well, play-action has to be respected for the 49ers as well because you just don't know when use and when uh, McCaffrey are in the backfield. You don't know that that really cues you on anything. Like the, the 49ers can do anything from any position group, and that's that's a wild advantage when you have a creative coach. Well, I'll tell you that this, this is a game that Kyle Juszczyk can actually you know play a major role. You're talking about a guy that can block for Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel or Elijah Mitchell a guy that they can use in the screen game, but also when, you know, you're faking that play action and you having you have your tight end slash H back running those rail routes down the sideline, that's when a guy like Kyle Juszczyk can get lost. So I think this is a game that he can play, have a huge role and probably will have to for the San Francisco 49ers in their offense to thrive because if the Eagles score points – it's going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on San Fran's offense to score as well. Well, and you said it earlier, if the Eagles score points, part of that's going to be because Jalen Hurts is going off as a runner. This is what Kyle Shanahan, 49ers head coach, said at their press conference about how the 49ers intend to handle the running aspect of Jalen Hurts. It's a huge challenge for these guys. I mean, we're expecting this quarterback to run it. Um, we're expecting him to lower his shoulder, so we always got to come out and treat him like a running back until he gives himself up, which is sliding or being in that pocket. And when he does, um, our guys are good enough athletes to have to deal with it. A lot gotta of hit discipline. Him. You got to hit him. Yeah. You got to hit him. You got to put that right L. I don't, I don't know the new name of the helmets now, but I know the old name, that right L. You put that right L on them as much as possible, especially at the mess point. If they want to run those zone reads and stuff like that, attack the mesh point. Hit them regardless. You can't. Because now he, he now he now he's a runner. He's a guy that can pull the ball and, and, and run with it. It's going to take greatness on the defensive side of the ball. Both sides are going to have to be very disciplined. Speaking of greatness, 
Big news for the Jets today. We're going to talk to one of their biggest stars. Sauce Gardner going to join us next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry. Today on Fitz and Harry, fresh off being named one of the three finalists for Defensive Rookie of the Year, New York Jets cornerback Sauce Gardner joins the guys at 140 Eastern. Sauce Gardner with Fitz and Harry, today at 140 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch the show on the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. With the fourth pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sauce Gardner. Defensive back, Cincinnati. The Jets got the best cornerback in Sauce Gardner. Sauce was a very easy decision. And it's intercepted. It's Sauce Gardner on the pick. He's playing at a very high level, and teams are going to test him. Second and 17, Allen to throw. It's intercepted. Picked off by Sauce Gardner. I show up when the lights are the brightest. You know, back down for challenges. I'm always the best version of myself. Cortland Sutton got lost in the sauce. Felix, the plain one. That's too much sauce. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And our Wolfpack grows by one. This happens on the show. There's famous guests, though. I mean, like, there's famous and then there's famous, famous. Sauce Gardner, he's famous, famous. Jets Corner, NFL Rookie of the Year finalist. Uh, we'll get to Panini America in a second because I know that's really important. Sauce, we got to ask you the most important thing in the world. We were having a pre-show raging debate today because in your honor, we're going to rank sauces. Uh, but but the real question is, is ranch a sauce? Like, do we count ranch as a sauce or is it a dressing? Where do we go on this? Um, uh, I mean, you could count it as a sauce as well. You know, it can be used in both ways. It's the same way you use, like, the different typical sauces. You can use ranch as well. So I would definitely say it, it, it's a sauce, man. Now, Sauce, I got to tell you this, man. Right in front of me, I have some hot sauce. Because I had to make sure I came correct. We got sauce on today. Okay. I got some hot sauce in front of me. My man, I got some teriyaki sauce. I have some sweet Thai chili sauce, oh. some Worcester sauce, and the most important, some barbecue sauce. Now, you got to tell me which one of these is your favorite one that you like to put on your food. Uh, I like with barbecue. Okay. That's the All go-to. Right. Uh, yeah, what you can't see on the TV, if you're watching us in the Watch ESPN app, is my guy Harry Douglas just pulled out a whole jug of Sweet Baby Ray's. Not just like a little thing, like a whole jug of Sweet Baby Ray's. I'm all in for that. We're talking to Sauce Gardner, Jets Corner. Uh, Sauce, obviously an incredible year for you. What's your favorite moment when you look back on your rookie season? Um, That's a, that's a tough question, man. <clears throat> I'll probably just say... I was just being able to spend time with my teammates, you know, being able to just go on that field and just dominate on defense with my guys. You know, every time we was on defense, it was a movie for the most part. So I would say all the moments is being on defense, just watching my brothers make plays, you know, and live out their dream. That was a, it was the best, it was the best, uh, best part of my season week in and week out, just seeing my teammates make plays. And Sauce, I got to ask you, you, you got Garrett Wilson that was drafted um, to the Jets as well, and you guys got to compete every single day. How better did you guys make one another to the point that when you went out in the game and it was probably easier than you probably thought it was going to be? 
Oh, yeah, man. We already, we stressed that. You know, I made sure I stressed it. You know, as soon as both of us got drafted, I already told them, like, we just going to be going at it because they ain't going to do nothing but make us both better. You know, like you said, uh, us going against each other, it just made it easier on Sundays. So, yeah. All right, so this morning there was some controversy around Madden. I'm the big Madden player on this show. <laughs> Harry, Harry played real football. I just play video game football. Let's go. So I saw you tweeting about the controversy over the quarterback. So what, you want to set the record straight. Mike White was playing quarterback for you in Madden. You want to tell everybody what happened, why it went down? Well, I mean, that was my first time playing Madden, this Madden. So I really didn't think of making any subs or anything like that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so, I guess Mike White was already in there, and I didn't think to, like, you know, take him out. You know, I didn't think it really mattered. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so, loudly so, I'll say it didn't matter. Go ahead, Harry. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, who you're playing to quarterback should, and Madden should not matter. Go ahead, Harry. Yeah, you you guys got big news today. Offensive coordinator job has been filled by Nathaniel Hackett. Y'all got to do a joint practice this year against the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Um, a lot of people are speculating that potentially Aaron Rodgers could be coming to the Jets. Practicing against Aaron Rodgers, how great of a quarterback did he seem to you, and what was your thoughts on him from the quarterback <clears throat> position? I uh, mean, yeah, he's definitely great. He's definitely elite. He's been doing it be- before Daniel, before I was born. So, you know, um, I can't discredit nothing that he do, you know what I mean, because I've seen him do so many good things. So, you know, he's a he's a great quarterback for sure. Would you want him on your team? You know we got to get I mean, Jason. You know, I, would, I wouldn't mind that. You know? I just want sure, I want what's best for the offense, but at the same time, I got to just focus on, on my job and focus on what we got going on on the defensive side. I mean, we got we got the offseason coming. We're used to the NBA world <laughs> where guys go out on social media and sort of actively recruit. Is there anybody you'll be actively recruiting during uh, this offseason to try and get him to come play with you? Now, I don't know, man. Y'all just got to stay tuned. I don't, I don't really know that. <laughs> Ooh, oh, look at sauce. Trying to oh, give us a little sauce, saucy. but not all of get it. Saucy. Okay, I sauce. how that works. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sauce, tell us what you're doing with the Panini rookie closeout today. What's going on? Uh, you know, I'm up here. Uh, the rookies, we up here signing some trading cards and everything. Uh, you know, and we was also pulling our own cards, stuff like that. You know, uh, Panini got a, a lot of cool people around here. You know, it's just a great environment, so, yeah. So, as I know the, w- what it was like for me as a rookie and things going a million miles per hour in your head and your mind, you're trying to get settled into the city that you're, that you're drafted to. If there was one thing that you would learn in your rookie year, what's that one thing? Um, I would probably say don't make the moment bigger than what it is. You know what I mean? And uh, I go a long way from preseason to my first game in the NFL to to the biggest games that we had, the important games. You know, I never made them too big, and that's why I was always able to, you know, have good games and just dominate. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I didn't just have the average rookie mentality. I was trying to have that dog mentality that I always have, that I've had my whole life, even when I got in the NFL. I mean, That's it's, it's kind of crazy about him, though. Uh, he got that dog in him, man. Uh, you can't find, you can't coach that dog, Saucy. Either you have it or you don't, man. Can't coach it. No, I don't. It it hits me though, dude. Because like, think about 
how weird the last year has been for you. Like you go from Cincinnati to suddenly moving to New York. You got to figure out life, and then you got to figure out like how to get a place and where you're going to live and what you're going to do with your family and all this stuff while you're learning a playbook, while you're learning a pro. Like uh, to be a pro, how much different is this upcoming off season for you? Just because you don't have to deal with all that junk that you've had to deal with over the last year. Oh yeah, it's definitely big, man. You know, uh, you just you hit it right on the spot. You know, and I just think about all those type of things, and I just tell myself it's only up from here. You know, I had to go through a lot of adversity, you know, because we went to the playoffs in Cincinnati, so I didn't have it all season. So it went from playoffs right to going to the Jets to trying to see where I'm gonna move in and trying to get my housing straight, get my family straight, uh, rookie minicamp, OTAs training camp like I ain't I didn't get it all season so you know I'm really looking forward to this one and I'm really looking forward to you know um, you know making all my weaknesses strengths and just getting better Sauce, so, so we really, really do appreciate your time I need you to tell my boy Mark Juan Manuel that I said what's up it's a good brother man a hell of a coach too so you being coached well okay then appreciate you thanks Sauce we appreciate you man it's great stuff from Sauce sure. Gardner uh, Jets corner, NFL Rookie of the Year finalist. I don't think there should be any devout, doubt, right? Like it feels like he's the Rookie of the Year to me. Uh, but but it's also interesting to me here because what I just said, and I think we we sort of gloss over a lot of times, is how much transition happens for kids coming into their rookie year. And then you think about on top of that, the concept of like, well, he's a Cincinnati corner, and there were definitely people that didn't watch Cincinnati football that thought that that was going to be some sort of, well, now he's stepping up in competition. I think if you watched it, you knew he was going to be great. But to come in year one and to be as shut down as he was, yeah. I, man, that's a statement to that young man, his ability to focus on football through everything and if he's that good rookie year in New York dude I, I cannot imagine where he's going to be for the well, next five years I think it's years. all a testament to his mindset and he mentioned yeah. that right when you come in with the right mindset and you're not worried about partying and doing all these type of things you're zeroed in you have tunnel vision you're focused you can definitely have that kind of success that he had that he's had in in his rookie year making first team all pro yeah, and well, listen what I mean he he didn't shy away from competition not one bit either I think that's the thing I love about him the most. He's a competitor. He's going to challenge you. He's going to talk his little noise, but he's not going to back down. We've seen that from him at the college level, and now we've seen it at, at the NFL level within his first year. And this is the most important thing about being picked fourth overall. I think he's a foundational piece, right? Like he's shown everybody, okay, right. this is when you are in the draft picking that high, you got to hit home runs. And this is absolutely a foundational piece home run for the Jets. They can look at it now and say, okay, we've got a a guy on that side of the ball that you'll be able to simply build around forever, right? Like you've got a guy that for the next several years can become that person. Other players want to play with him. Plus, randomly, you can look at it and say, hey, we've got this back end of our defense taken care of. Like the, the... the way we perceive the Jets today is wildly different because the fact is they hit a home run with the fourth overall pick. And I'll tell you this, when you look at their defensive line and their front seven and guys like that, the defensive line and the secondary, they go hand in hand, right? They have to be in unison on one accord for both levels to have success. I don't know any, you know, secondaries that can guard for 10 or 12 seconds. You know, defensive line has to do their job, and Quentin Williams did a hell of a job. Sheldon Rankins did a hell of a job this year. But at the same time, when the when the plays are there to make on the back end at the cornerback position, Sauce Gardner made those plays. He shut his guys down. 
and the future is bright for the New York Jets. Well, given all of the thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, this is what Saw said just a few minutes ago when you asked for his thoughts about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah, he's definitely great. He's definitely elite. He's been doing it before Daniel, before I was born. So, you know, um, I can't discredit nothing that he do. You know what I mean? Because I've seen him do so many good things. So, you know, he's a he's a great quarterback for sure. Would you want him on your team? You know, we got to get I mean, you know, I would I wouldn't mind that. You know, I just want sure I want what's best for the offense. But same time, I got to just focus on on my job and. Focus on what we got going on on the defensive side. It's a telling statement. I just want what's best for the offense. He's telling you right there. You want to know what's funny? How how relaxed and calm he is. You can see why he's been able in year one at the cornerback position, which is hard to do, have so much success. Because you can't let the highs get too high. You can't let the lows get too low. You got to stay even keel. So, Sauce, keep being yourself, man. Yeah, and there's this moment for me where, what do we say all the time, the cliche right now, the standard is the standard. Mm-hmm. You got Sauce basically setting the standard for the offense already. One year in, and he's coming in saying, I'm going to worry about my job. I just want the the I want the offense to, to be the best they can be. He's setting a standard for what he expects on the other side of the ball, which is a brazen amount of confidence in every good way from a young man that came out and had the level of success that he had in his first year. Like That is a rookie that's raising the level of accountability for the rest of the team. That speaks volumes to me. That's Charles Woodson-esque from that fourth overall pick. And he did it without belittling his teammates or anybody else on their roster. Yeah, uh, that's the, the most important thing. The, the, never a doubt. He uh, he handled all every ounce of that perfectly. We appreciate Sauce hanging out with us, and obviously it was great timing because there's massive news from the Jets today as they have made a hire for their offensive coordinator. You heard from Sauce. You've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Plus, you'll hear from the Jets head coach on that hire. What it means for the quarterback position next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 